0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues Podcast. This week on our panel, we have Valentino Stoll. Hey, there. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and this week, it's just us. Just us chickens. <laughs> so you uh, you showed me this article, the 1x developer, which, interesting, the kind of the counterpoint, I guess, to the 10x developer. Yeah. Do you kind of want to give, like, the TLDR, the 10,000-foot view on this? It's pretty short anyway, but... Then, then we can dive in and, and talk a little about it because, I don't know, I like the idea of the 10x developer, but I didn't find that this really conflicted with my ideas about it. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it, it should conflict with your ideas about it unless you kind of believe that people are out there that can do 10 times the work of anybody. <laughs> but yeah, I really like this article because it's kind of tagline is programming is a tool and to treat it as such. And so can a tool really be... 10 times more efficient depending on the person using it. The tool is the tool and you just use it the right way and you get the best reward out of it for efficiency purposes. And so I don't, that kind of really spoke to me. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've definitely been in a position where I was young and foolish and thought I knew everything there was. <laughs> uh, you know, when, you're, when you come out of school and you get a few years under your belt and you think, oh, you've learned you know everything you need to know to <laughs> program whatever needs to be programmed and uh it's it's easy to get caught off guard you know pretty quickly with that mentality and mm-hmm. you think you know if once you get efficient that you can outperform and outdo you know others just by doing it more and, and doing it faster better putting more hours in putting more time knowing <laughs> as much as you possibly can and really like that's just not sustainable or po- or possible like nobody can know everything and the more that you learn the more that trails off that you don't use <laughs> and uh, i don't know yeah. I, I feel like in my opinion just trying to like find people that can perform better doesn't necessarily give you the best output
0: hey folks this is charles maxwood from top end devs and lately i've been working on actually building out top end devs if you're interested you can go to Once again, that's TopEndDevs.com. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people write all kinds of stuff. I remember there was a Twitter thread a year or two ago where somebody said a 10x developer does the and does this and does this and does this and does this, right? I really didn't feel like those things necessarily added up to somebody who, if, if you sat them down and you sat down sort of your average skilled developer, that that person would be 10 times as efficient right? They would get 10 times the work done. And so, you know, I think there's something to be said for certain aspects of of coding practice, right? If you know your tools well, that'll speed you up. If you see a common problem and you know the pattern to solve it, right? Whereas somebody who doesn't might have to go invent it and then figure out how to put it together. Those things will speed you up, right? If you're writing, I think in the long term, maybe you might be able to get 10x if if you're writing clean, maintainable code and somebody else isn't, right? Because over time, they're going to have to go clean up, fix, manage those issues, right? Which may slow them down. But even then, I'm not sure if that's a 10X or if it's just a 2X or 3X or 4X, right? Where they get slowed down to the point where they're spending maybe half their time, right? Because if you're 10X, then eventually where it evens out is when they're spending 90% of their time fixing their code. And I just, I don't see people really in that place, right? At least not for a protracted period of time. So
1: yeah, I think part of the allure of this article and this kind of the significance of, you know, bolding the one X programmer, uh, was more that being a programmer, you get out what you put into it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so like you can't, there only is one X, <laughs> you know, it's one, one person doing work. And that person isn't going to do any more work than anybody else using the tools available to them in the same way, right? Like it's it's a tool, yeah. and so <laughs> he kind of makes a joke, you know. Ninety-nine point five percent of programming consists of gluing together calls to library functions, True. right? And so, mm-hmm. like, if you if you look at it just as that as surface level, right? Like most of the work you're going to be doing is really just chaining together and piecing together all of the existing software that you're currently using your team is using and has been built before you in most cases right you're not going to be building things from the ground up for your entire career (laughs) as much as many people may want to be doing right right and well the other thing is is if you're not doing that you're building on
0: top of what somebody else built and then stringing together calls right right right
1: (laughs) so you're only greenfield for a while (laughs) Yeah. And so the, you know, most of the life of a programmer is maintaining code, right? Like mm-hmm. making small improvements where needed, but mostly just maintaining it. And so like whether or not you can program something up or think up a solution that maybe is complicated faster, it doesn't necessarily make it faster for the next person to pick up where you left off or to fix a bug or add to it. Right. Like he says another thing in this article where. Ideally, your code is simple enough that a junior programmer who doesn't, who isn't like you, can come in and understand it, and you know, make changes to it just as easily. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think
1: the thing that you've
0: uh, mentioned a couple of times is the next person. The next person. Yeah. And that that's the other part of this is that most most development happens on a team, right? You're you're not often working on your own. I mean, there are instances where you know maybe you're the lone freelancer on the project or you know, you're the first guy in the company that's writing code. But for the most part, my experience is is that you're working on a team. And so I don't even know how you begin to say, well, this person's more efficient than the other person, right? I mean, you may be able to look at like your agile burndown or something like that and see that, yeah, somebody moved the needle more than somebody else. But I, I don't, I don't see it to the tune of 10x. Now, I do like the idea of a 10X developer in the sense, and we were talking about this before the show, of I see people that they get on a team and the team's work output goes up dramatically, right? Like to the point where they're getting more work done than they were previously by sometimes an order of magnitude, right? You know, they're double, triple, even though this one person's there, but it's not because they're writing the code. It's because they are really good at figuring out where the pressure points are and then moving the needle for the other people on the team. Right. So they may say, well, we're going to, we're going to set up CICD. Right. And that takes a bunch of stuff off the plate. So then the workload goes up. They set up automation. So the workload goes up. They are good at helping people up level in areas that they can do it quickly and that make a difference. And so the work, you know, the work output goes up. And so th- if you're talking about a 10X developer who's a really good team player, I can see that happening. But it's because they have the experience and the desire to make a difference there in that way. It's usually not that guy wrote 10 times the code this other guy wrote.
1: Yeah, I I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially if you, maybe we should break down what, what we're really talking about with multiples, right? Like, mhm- what are people really referring to when they say, oh, they're a, a 10x developer, right? Like, what do people imagine? Like, what do you imagine when somebody says, oh, that person is a 10x developer? I want a badge on my shirt that says 10x developer,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, usually when people are talking about this, they're trying to make some kind of point about elite programmers. And you know what? I, I just I just don't see it. I, I see a lot of people that Contribute at a high level, but those people are usually not the people who are looking to get the uh, recognition for being a 10x developer or whatever, right? So when it really boils down, it's, okay, how much value do I add to whatever project I'm on, whatever team I'm on, whatever company I'm working for? And it's hard to measure that, to be honest, right? You know, you're saying, okay, well, how how do you define that? And it's, there are so many things that are hard to measure, right? I mean, if I spend a few minutes coaching another developer. I mean, how do you measure that, right? In minutes, in the amount of time that it saved them, in the amount of time it took me, and, you know, in how how often they use that knowledge over and over and over again. I mean, it's just... And, and how do you do that? How do you keep track of that? So if you're new to a team, you can kind of see the incremental change, right? But ultimately, I I just... I don't see a good measure for this. And often when people are trying to make the point that they're a 10x developer it's because they either have something that they have to satisfy for their ego or they're not delivering at that level and they're trying to prove that they are and that's not to say that somebody who says they're a 10x developer isn't one but for the most part I just I, I really don't see the point in trying to tie that output in any way to like lines of code or commits or agile points or whatever because at the end of the day we're all just trying to get the job done and as long as you're contributing in a way that moves the project forward and you're not doing other things that are a detriment to the team then yeah back to this one x developer idea then you're doing your thing right and everybody else is going to do their thing and you, you just keep working the system and working the project and doing what you need to do until it's done i don't know what do you think like if, if you could pin a definition on this thing, what would you do? Because I kind of punted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, what do you expect out of somebody programming? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess is is what I was after. And they, there is no answer, right? <laughs> because there are so yep. many things you could do with programming. What are you, you know, what are you being hired to do? Ultimately, I guess what it comes down to. And there's already plenty of companies and services that track that progress. In different ways. And I guess it depends on the company, right? Like, you know, what do they expect? What value do they expect to get out of you as a programmer? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it, it just comes down to being a great team player, you know, like kind of yep. circling back to that team setting. I would say above all else, it's how well you work within a team because there is only so much work that can be done by one person. Even if somebody, there are people out there that I've worked with for sure, you know, and they do, they crank out a bunch of work, they find bugs really quickly, they're on top of things, but, you know, they're not doing everything, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're not even doing everything for the team, <laughs> right. you know, that they're on, you know, they, there's limits, right? And if they're all consumed in in doing those things, uh, in fixing bugs or focusing on their tasks that are assigned to them or, or things like that, uh, you know, things can get overlooked and it, it doesn't ex- exactly make them more performant in the grand scheme of things right like most companies as they grow will have more than one team and more than one department and things get orchestrated across teams across departments there's Mm -hmm. like a bunch of moving parts a bunch of moving people and a bunch of moving work and it's easy to to get caught up in you know what is happening specifically in front of you that i think even if somebody can race forward faster, it doesn't necessarily mean the rest of the work races forward faster. And yep. so, I I think just the value of of a programmer in general is that they can sustain a steady pace toward a common goal amongst their teammates.
0: Yep, absolutely. And well, I the mean, other thing is is I've worked with some of the terrorists, is the way I I've heard them put right where. <laughs> They they crank code out,
1: they solve bugs, but yeah, they're, they're so toxic to
0: the team that they actually hinder the progress forward for everybody else.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they don't even have to be a, a negative player. You know, it could be somebody that does things in a positive way too, but at the same time, it's like there are projects that get shelved. You could put mm-hmm. a bunch of effort out and work and the business has a different direction they want to take. And all the time, you know, work can get shelved. And so I think kind of like what I've learned over the years is, you know, just to take kind of take your time and uh, progress. As long as you're progressing with your team, as far as what the ultimate goals you've -hmm. you've set for whatever your iteration cycles are, I think that is just the most important. And that's kind of what resonated with me about this article is like, think of it as just programmer. There's no times possible, really. Because it's just, well, do you work in this team or not, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's more yeah. of like a, a, a true and false question rather than a multiplier. Yeah, well, it's interesting,
0: too, because a lot of times, you know, we're looking at output, measuring it in different ways. But at the end of the day, what we're really doing is the people at the business level, right, The people who are ultimately authorizing somebody to write you a check for your time, right? They're just looking at it and saying, are our problems getting solved? Right. Are, are the things that need to get done getting done? And so, to your point, right, it's, are you an instrumental part of that or not? Right. And that may be down to skills. It may be down to attitude. It may be down to other things as to whether you do or don't meet those criteria. But yeah, it's, yeah, are you, are you getting the stuff done that needs to get done?
1: Right. I think if you, if you look at it, programming as a tool I think it takes away kind of the blame of it all too right like okay well if somebody isn't performing maybe there's something about the tool that they're either they're just not using or it's not applicable to the team that they're on right like mm-hmm. sometimes s- certain teams just aren't meant for some people right like I'm not super strong in devops and not not that I wouldn't <laughs> be able to do the work it's just right th- i the the way that <laughs> I, my mind works. It just doesn't line up with that kind of orchestration and, and things like that. And I know how it; I could figure it out. <laughs> but, you know, right. if I were dropped into a, a a team like that, I don't know. I definitely wouldn't perform as well as I would kind of in a full stack area. And, you know, that it depends. Like some some roles are, you know, better for a person than others. And some sometimes it's easy to just say, oh, well, that person isn't performing. They're they're this X person, you know, half an mm-hmm. X or something. And in most cases, it's not true. It's it's usually due to how they are either integrated into the team or how the team is like integrating them into the team. And so I I feel like more often than not, somebody that's underperforming, it's more the team setting that is the issue.
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I mean, you know, going back to the idea of programming be a to- being a tool, though. So my father-in-law is a general contractor, and crap breaks around my house, and he's usually the one to come over and help me fix it, right? And it's never, well, I can't say it's never just him fixing it, but it's usually not just him fixing it, right? Uh, most of the time, you know, he's coming over here, and he's showing me how to pull stuff together. And there is some level of skill with the tool, right? there is some level of practice that goes into it right that's why on on top end devs i'm telling people to learn something new every day right is so that you're practicing the fundamentals while you learn something new and as we kind of uh, attach some value to that right then what happens is as i work with them i get to learn the tool right and similar to to that you know as you work on a programming team you get to learn you know the capabilities of your tools and and how to use them and so that that's where I kind of bump up against I guess this idea of the one X developer because not everybody is skilled equally and you kind of you said that like with devops right you you could figure it out but that's not your strong suit right you haven't spent a lot of time developing the knowledge or skills there but just just keep in mind that you know there are going to be people who are who perform more or perform better who show up maybe in in a more meaningful way for the team on a regular basis. But that doesn't necessarily diminish your value to the team. It's just that the expectations might be a little bit different as to how the team plays together. And what's really interesting to me is that a lot of times, if you get all of the people who kind of perform at the top level on the same team, they don't jive, right? And so there's more to it than just you were saying, you know, it may be the team environment that's the problem. And sometimes that's the case. But I don't want to discount the fact that there are skills and, and knowledge that people are going to need to pick up in order to be effective members of the team. It just may be that it's a combination of both that really bring you into being a contributor on the team, right? It's your skills. It's your knowledge. It's your background. It's how you look at specific problems as well as how you deal with other people, you know, what kinds of personalities or approaches you respond to from other folks and so all of this plays together
1: yeah you know we had uh brooke Kuhlman on not too long ago and he brought up a ton of great points on kind of software craftsmanship and there's a lot to that uh, you know like you were talking about you put in the time and you build your craft kind of Mm -hmm. and you need to sustain that craft and you need to there it like apprenticeship programs out there very similarly Mm -hmm. I feel like software could definitely benefit from something like that right where there are people who are you know the master craftsmen (laughs) who really Mm -hmm. have just put in a ton of time and been around other craftsmen that have also had different exposure but over long periods of time know different design patterns when to use them as an example but like you know the father-in-law that came over and knew how to use the tool right uh, you can learn and benefit from the other craftsmen uh, on how to use those tools. And I think that maybe that's something that's missing in the in the whole algorithm here <laughs> is a kind of an adjusting mindset, right? Like uh, of yep. less as output and more of just like honing skill, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, whether m- maybe not, maybe we shouldn't be focusing on this output, right, and and more on. Mm-hmm just the handling of the equipment.
0: <laughs> Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Yeah, I think, again, I think it's a balance, right? I, I think there's some of, one and some of the other right i mean ultimately we're getting paid for our output but yeah i mean the the companies that really understand it are the ones that are investing in that that learning right that leveling up and so i think i think there's both but then what it really i think boils down to is is if i'm going to be a good team player then yeah what's communication skills am i building how do i interact with other people? And am I willing to learn, right? Am I willing to pick up the the things that I don't know? And I, I think there's a lot to that as well. So one thing from this article that I kind of wanted to hit too was, you know, going back to some of the ideas around, I think I mentioned that if you put two developers next to each other, over the long term, you might see one of them slow down as their code isn't great or isn't maintainable. The, the author of this particular article, he said, the time to fix things is now. And he talks about how if you if you fix code or improve code now, then it's going to pay off down the line over and over and over again. And I really like that. Right. I really like that idea again. You know, so it's not just about, you know, how many stories did I finish or, you know, how much of this project did I finish? How many features did we release? But also, you know, how much How much should we put in the bank that's going to pay off later, right? How much investment did we put in this code base that's going to save us uh, time and effort down the road?
1: Yeah, there's a lot to be said there. I mean, at Doximity, we have a, a kind of ongoing percentage of time that we should spend, you know, kind of refactoring and cleaning up things that we've made, uh, even just revisiting code that we've touched recently, right? Just because refactoring should be part of that pattern as you're going the this comment is always made you know make the code easy to change and then make the easy change that goes for so many different things right not just re- refactoring specific things but setting up for the people that come in before after you mm-hmm. to make things cleaner right and I, I know there's a kind of a a thing about clean code what does that mean like there there are so many <laughs> So so many articles you could read on what clean code is and how to apply it, but really it just means simplicity. Uh How do we make things less complex and make it easier to change and to go in and clean up, as you're saying, as as you go along? I mean, if if things are relatively straightforward, you know, it's going to be really easy to do that. So I mean, I I feel like just just revisiting the title again. For if, if I feel like if you're trying to maximize your output. It can be very easy to overlook simplicity, right? Especially mm-hmm. if you're focused on pace, right? The the faster the pace is, the harder it is to change things, to refactor, especially if you don't have a pattern of refactoring. And I mean, if if you're trying if you're a business and you're trying to measure progress, progress are visible changes, right? And so those don't include refactorings for the most part, right? Uh they don't they they maybe include bug fixes, but hopefully most of your code doesn't have bugs, right? And you're not spending most of your time chasing down bugs. And if if you are, then even more to your point and the point of the article, you know, fix things now. Because right? you don't want to be spending all of your time trying to fix things, right? Like as a business, mm-hmm. you want to either maintain something that's working or to hopefully expand the ability of your business to, to make more money, right? Which is... Typically done by making significant additions to your code base.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And, and I completely agree in that sense, right? That the time you put into that kind of a maintenance, I was, I was thinking about something else and I'm, I'm trying to tie it together because it, it kind of came out of this thought. So it's a little incoherent. I'm sorry, but I mean, effectively, yeah, what we're talking about is, yeah, that level of, allowing you to pull it apart, put it back together. Um, so what, I, what I was thinking about is so, and then we talked a little bit about this before the, the episode two, but I'm running for school board right now. Right. And one of the things that I'm running into and, you know, I've gotten pretty used to the jargon and the, the approach in, in software. Right. And so I, I hear it and I just kind of understand it now, but I'm going to go into the school board meetings. Right. And they're talking about some of the things that, They've had going on for the last while, and I've been going for the last few months to the school board meetings, but they use this jargon they talk about different aspects of what they do and things like that and yeah, I mean afterward i I went up to the board president and just looked at him and said, "So what's this, and what's this, and what's this right and so you know some of it's down to the simplicity and the craftsmanship, and some of it's just down to how does my code communicate right is is it going to take a domain area expert to understand what this code is actually about? Or can I look at it and kind of get a gist, even if I'm not a domain area expert, where I'm looking at it and going, all right, I can see that this data moves through this particular area of code in this way, right? It transforms it in these ways. It it saves it in these places. It does these kinds of things without necessarily having to understand that, hey, this is, this is, Really, just a metric, or this is really just a, uh, you know, a string of data, or this really is an address, right? In instead of the the other details that may or may not be there, and so yeah, this is down to like variable names and function or method names and your approach to that stuff. But again, you know, just just making it so that it's easy to follow for people that haven't been doing it for the last however long you've been there.
1: Yeah, and, that and kind so. Of- Yeah, some of it's refactoring and some of it's it's refactoring, but some of it's the other stuff. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm curious, what else that uh, you think makes for a? What are some things people can do to make themselves a better programmer? We this article kind of touches on a a bunch of things to kind of make better use of the tools. Mm -hmm. You know, what what are some things that you've experienced where? I know we've talked about this before on the show, right, where there are qualities of some people where you see them doing a lot of work. What, what about that they're doing is something that people could do? Right. So, I
0: mean, you know, I have the seven things that I tell people to do that's part of the top-end devs method, right? And so one of them is learn something new every day. The other ones commit code every day. And, and this should be outside of the work environment, though it can be at, inside the work environment if they give you time to experiment. But just that experimentation, that level of, oh, well, what if we did do it this way, right? What if we did approach it this way? You know, what if I see this problem coming down the pipe? You know, I'm going to try two or three different libraries and solve the problem. Just having that information when the time comes to actually start addressing some of this stuff is extremely valuable, right? And so just being a little bit forward-thinking or... Constantly looking at new things and learning new things and exploring new ways of doing things is going to open you up to a whole bunch of stuff. And if you're committing code against it every day, which is practice number two, then you're going to, you're actually going to have examples when the time comes, right? You're going to, you're going to have seen it in action. The third one is to talk to people, right? To, to get to know somebody new every week. And so one of the things that I find with a lot of this stuff, I'm pretty involved in Utah politics. Like I said, I'm running for office, you know, stuff like that. One of the things that really helps me out is just talking to people, right? Just seeing where they're at, what they're seeing, what their ideas are. Hey, this worked over here. This hasn't worked over there. I'm talking to board members of other boards. And so you get this other approach to things, right? And so you can learn from other people. And then that leads to the going to the community events where you're, Going to conferences, going to meetups. And again, kind of seeing what people are using, where they're at, what they're doing doesn't necessarily mean that you have to throw out Webpacker and use PropShaft or, you know, whatever, but it does give you an opportunity to see where some of these other solutions are. Doing the content every week is a terrific way to refine your thinking, right? Because now you have to explain it in a way that makes sense to another human being, right? Whether it's a blog post or a podcast or a YouTube video or anything else. And then just sitting down and seeing where it is that you want to go, right? Making that plan and then sitting down and planning out what you're going to learn and how you're going to approach it, you know, which which kind of goes back to the, the first couple of points. I mean, all of these things play into each other in, in important ways. And so you kind of have to get out of the code base a little bit out of the bubble and just kind of go see what else is out there and then take the time to explore it and Figure out what's there and talk to people about it and challenge your thinking a bit.
1: Yeah, I I can't agree more with participating in the community events and, and definitely explaining. You know, writing your, writing out your thinking, mm-hmm. writing writing for me has always. You know, sometimes I'll just <laughs> I'll go to my team Slack channel and be, start typing a question about the problem I'm having and start writing the problem out and. Just doing that, you know, has solved my problem. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'll just delete it, right? Like, because I've <laughs> figured it out. But you know, you, even just uh, you know, fielding questions from your team, it it, it enlightens you in different ways because it, you know, people think differently than you do, and you know that is definitely going to be more valuable than trying to look up things mm-hmm. and follow down your your train of thought. Because I don't know it's just a huge benefit getting insight from others. Yep. I did want to. I I have to say,
0: I've, I've had that experience too, where not necessarily writing it out, but I've just been frustrated. So I, I go for a walk or I get frustrated with something and I'll walk out of here and I'll complain to my wife about it and about halfway through. And she thinks it's hilarious when I do this, but I'll, I'll get halfway through complaining about the problem. Well, and it's, it's doing this and I did this and this and she's just looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then it just, and then I'll,
1: I'll be right back. <laughs> right, because just yeah, just working through it. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying? Yeah, I was gonna say there was a another part of this article that uh really jumped out at me, and he leveled it. API beats algorithm. And uh, there's a uh, basically the idea is right. If something is convenient and and easy to use, it's just easy. It makes it easier to read and maintain it. And mm-hmm. just like that's where you kind of can get exponential gains from something written in that way, right? But I think it applies more to just the code, right? Like, the way that you work and the way that you work with other people kind of can be like an API, right? Mm-hmm. Where people are interfaces to each other and, uh, you know, use different mediums to communicate and sometimes those those are tools that you need to learn to use, right? And, and making it convenient and, and easy to do is something that takes some some level of skill and honing right uh, and crafting and i think a large yep. you know certainly back to that team building and to where it could be problematic uh it could be kind of the a fault of the team or or just like the environment of a specific group of people you know cultivating that a- the team api <laughs> and, and making it more convenient and accessible and easy can also provide more gains you know from each individual mm-hmm. contributor and i feel like that i keep circling back to it because i feel like it's often overlooked yeah. where uh just things are not convenient <laughs> right yep. like and, and we've done a an you know episode before on red tape and cutting through red tape and and really like the the best multiples you can get for for any programmer really is cutting that red tape <laughs> Right. Making things more convenient and more accessible amongst each other will will get you the best rewards out of any programmer, you know, regardless of how much work that they can do.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because you're talking about like uh, team APIs and interpersonal APIs. Right. How approachable are you? Right. How approachable is your API? How well do you interface with other people's APIs, but also within the team? Right. One thing that I found is that if the team operates cohesively and is explicit about what their APIs are, right, to the rest of the company, as far as this is how we get things onto our backlog, this is how we process the backlog, this is how we prioritize the backlog, this is how we prioritize the work we're doing, this is how we keep track of the work we're doing, a lot of it feels like a whole bunch of ceremony that you have to do to to do the work. But the flip side is, is that if that's all explicitly formed, and everybody's on board, then it becomes a whole lot easier for everybody else to understand what's going on, right? So then, then your API is, we need this done, right? And we need it done with this priority level. Or, hey, I'm going to query the team on the work that's being done. And, and because there's a process and a methodology for it, in other words we have our internal api as well for that then you can re- return a response to the query that makes sense right and it it really is true like some of this boils down to algorithm i guess as far as like what your process is for this stuff but the flip side is is that if you all agree to sort of the the process for things then it just is down to how do we all interact with the the common pieces of what we do and it's those interactions honestly that a make the work go smoothly but b make the work rewarding in my opinion right i'm much more uh, i i I really enjoy programming and i like putting my head down and on my own crafting something but i'll tell you the places that i've worked essentially what uh, most of my fulfillment came down to was that i enjoyed working with people i worked with
1: yeah you know maybe it should be less about speed and more about drag right? Like what, what is causing drag amongst programming, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're have a, if you don't have these processes for something, like let's say how to triage a bug or how, how to progress through, uh, decide whether or not you're going to focus on a specific feature or something else, how, whether, whose responsibility that is, you know, these are all questions that add to the drag of the programmer and really to anybody on your team, right? Like, What is introducing these things that is causing people to slow down, right, rather than just be able to do their work? And, you know, sometimes having processes in place uh, can help define that, right, and help Mm -hmm. make a happy path and convenient path for people to jump on board. And sometimes, you know, that process can make it a drag, right, like can slow it down if you have... As an example, uh, you know, since Luke isn't here, I'll bring it up. But if you have code formatters linting your code and mm-hmm. there's a bug that needs to get fixed, but the whole CI is breaking because you've Tied in your linter to require right its code to be formatted a specific way, and you know, sure it fixes the bug, but it doesn't. That could never fix happen. the linter, right? Like, you know, that that creates some drag, and so that's going to slow down mm-hmm. the progress. And so, I feel like there's some perceived comp- output of programmers, right, where the all of this hidden drag is not considered. <laughs> it's you know, we have yep. this work, we have these processes in place. Why are you not? performing as well as somebody else and it's like well they already Mm -hmm. know all these processes or maybe they just can memorize things better and they know you know what the processes are from memory and don't have to look things up as as frequent right like I I feel like maybe we're we're looking at the wrong thing is what I'm saying you know maybe we shouldn't be looking Mm -hmm. at speed at all I think there's something to
0: that I mean some of it's down to you know your engine right how much have you put into skills and knowledge but yeah a lot of this really boils down to drag, right? Yeah. How long do I have to spend doing stuff
1: that we could avoid having to have
0: to do, right?
1: And so... Even just uh, just asking questions. Anytime you have to ask a question, that's going to slow you down, right?
0: Yep. Well, it's going to slow down whoever you're asking the question of, too. (laughs) But the flip side is, is that maybe for that little bit of drag that person's now unable to not go waste an hour figuring crap out. So when we're talking about it, yeah, sometimes that happens, right? I have to slow down to help you or you have to slow down to help me. But at the in the end, overall we we're overcoming drag, right? But the other thing is, is yeah, where's the drag in our processes? Where's the drag in our code, right? Where this bit of spaghetti code or this thing isn't well factored or there's some there's this concern that's mudd- muddied up with this other concern, or this is too tightly coupled, or we've got all that in our code, or maybe there's organizational drag, right? There's we're, we're not getting good prioritized information from some of the stakeholders in what we're doing. or I mean, there are so many things that go into this that, yeah, a lot of it really does boil down to, hey, we did the best we could here, but we're still refining the engine so that we can get more lift or refining the shape of our wings so that we reduce drag.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always really hated the analogy of code smells, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I feel like we could use something better. And uh, maybe it's like, just how much glue are we using, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> this is a three-bottle problem. This is... the. <laughs> How many layers of glue do we have on this one particular piece of code, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> that that one needs bondo. <laughs> oh, Chuck worked on this one. Get out the JB weld.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
1: so you have any final thoughts before we do picks? Not really. I mean, if you notice somebody that's maybe maybe just like a small piece on lifting up your team and mm-hmm. if you, if you do consider yourself or Consider somebody else more than a 1x programmer. Maybe they're doing it wrong. Maybe you're doing it wrong. Maybe just look around you, focus on your team, and your team is going to do better for it, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, my thoughts on this are mostly down to, I think the conclusion I've come to just talking about this is that the 10x developer really isn't a helpful construct to talk about. Yeah. In the sense that it's not going to go make me do the things that are going to move the needle me or for my team, right? And so instead of talking about who's who's better, more efficient, smarter, blah, 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 instead we should be taking maybe a more holistic approach to what are we doing, you know, even if it is focused on a particular individual, what are we doing to help this person reduce drag or what what are we doing to help this person increase lift? And then the same thing around, because a lot of times, yeah. It may be environmental, it may be procedural, and just just thinking about it that way, right? So then it's, it's not, how do we make them into a 10x developer and putting all that on them? But yeah, how can we get them from a 1x developer to a 1.05x developer, and at the same time, enable them to move ahead without this process or this other thing dragging? And those are the kinds of conversations that I think are going to help teams and help people who are working on code more than hey this this elite level of programmer does all the things and farts rainbows so anyway (laughs) all right well let's do some picks hey folks if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages then you're in luck we're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after christmas 2020 without the ads Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium.
1: You got some picks? Yeah, I got a couple here. The first one, I I just found this library. It's called Ninja Keys. Mm -hmm. It's basically lets you add a keyboard shortcut interface for your website. Ooh, Uh, cool. It's really neat. If if you can imagine uh, if you're in GitHub or something like that, or even just VS Code as an example, they have that quick command so that you can bring up a little search bar. And it has customizable things. It's it's basically just like a, a portal into that world if you wanted to add it to your website. Uh pretty neat. My next pick is uh <laughs> kind of neat. It's you you can uh it's a service, a website, httpstat.us, and you can just have it return any status code. And the, the kind of neat thing about it is that you can specify a response time that you want it to have. So I've been oh, using this. For you know testing purposes, so if I wanted to you know reach out to some external API and expect it to be to lag on occasion, you can just specify that in the test by making it letting it do an actual HTTP request with a specified request time. I don't know, it's, it's really neat. I I know there's also HTTP bin, which lets you do a lot. It's much more fully featured, but I really like the response time aspect of it. Uh, it's pretty neat. And Very then I guess cool. my last. My last plug is for Rust has come to Ruby. the The YGIT team over at uh, Shopify somehow, since what was it January that it was approved, has completed kind of the initial Widget implementation in Rust within the Ruby language. So really cool to see. I can't believe that they completed it already. <laughs> kind of impressive, uh, but I'm interested to see what comes from that and what kind of uh, other cool features that Rust can bring to that ecosystem, yeah, even just with how the the library is structured. It's, it's going to be pretty neat. Still still kind of off by default <laughs> kind of thing, but mm-hmm. uh, worth checking out. So I'll leave a, the PR for that.
0: Nice. We should do an episode on that, see if we can get them on. All right. I'm going to do a few picks. So I've been doing board game picks. I'm going to do something a little bit different this time. And this is, it's board game adjacent, so, you know, don't feel bad. But one thing that I play with my kids, so, especially with my daughters, my 13-year-old, my 15-year-old, we we play things like Battleship. What else do we play? Uh, they have darts. They have, I'm gonna, I'm just going to open it up on my phone here. Um, they have darts. They have uh, pool. They have archery. They have word games, cup pong, connect four. Checkers, Chess, Moncala, Reverse, Go, Dots and Boxes, 20 Questions. They have Tanks. Anyway, it's called Game Pigeon, and you just play it through text message. So, and, and I don't know if it works on Android. So if you have an Android, I'm sorry if it doesn't work for you. But it works on the iPhone, and so, yeah, I just invite them to a game. I just hit the app in the message app, and then I can pick the game I want to play with them. And then... You know, it's turn based, right? So if we're playing darts, I'll throw my darts and then it notifies them that it's their turn and then they can throw their darts and then it'll notify me that it's my turn again. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's just kind of a fun way for us to sit and goof around and, yeah, hang out virtually. So I'm going to pick that. One other thing that I'm going to shout out about I mentioned that I'm, you know, I'm doing this, uh, I'm running for school board. And so a few things that I wanted to shout out there, if you ever, <laughs> If you ever want to run for uh, public office it's it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time even for some of the local elections right I got my signs for for my campaign at signsonthecheap.com and so I'm going to pick them cuz the signs were cheapish but they're they're just like all the other political signs. They just cost less than anyone or anywhere else I could find. So I'm gonna pick that. And then we just moved, and I may have picked these on the show before, but we just moved the process for scheduling and recommending topics and stuff like that to a new system for Ruby Rogues. And we're working on doing this for all the other shows. I already set it up for JavaScript jammers. So that's where I piloted it. I don't know why I picked the biggest show instead of the smallest one, but I did. But anyway, so we're we're moving every everything over now, and the the things that we're using there, one is make dot com and it's kind of like Zapier, except they have like this visual workflow option. in fact that that's how you set it up so you actually drag and drop integrations instead of having like a step by step one thread of execution dealio like you have on zapier, right? so if you're if you're process forks and Zapier you have two zaps, right? And on make.com, if it forks, you just drop a router in there and you fork it. And then you can see both lines. And so it's pretty nice. I haven't run into anything that I wanted to integrate with that it didn't work with yet. I say yet because they all have holes in them, right? They have things that they haven't hooked up yet. But I'm pretty happy with them so far. And then the other system is Podio. And Podio is, man, how do you even describe it? So they have a bunch of different so you set up a workspace and then you add apps to your workspace, and then you can set up connections or relationships between them. I, I had somebody explain it to, to me kind of like it's kind of like Microsoft Access, but I, I haven't ever used that. So I don't know. But anyway, so you have so in this one, like we have a host app, which is basically a list of contacts. We have a guest app, which is a list of contacts. We've got a publishing app, which is the episodes, right? So you're kind of getting the idea. And then they have a bunch of automation tools that you can use. So, so essentially what happens is like if somebody schedules to come on the show, then what it does is it sets up the prep documentation in the, in discourse, which is what we're using to basically have a conversation about what we're going to talk about before we talk about it. Hey, go read this, go watch this video, stuff like that. And then it goes into Podio and it creates the episode and ties the hosts and the guests and everything else to to the episode, right? And then when it's recorded, it'll actually prompt the hosts to put the recording, the link to the recording in the thing. And then it marks it as recorded and it sends an email out to everybody who was on the episode saying, hey, go make sure all your picks and everything are in so that we can do the show notes. When it's published, it'll remind everybody that it's out. and They can go share it. I make. I'm working on making that more robust. So it's like, hey, here's some images you can use and stuff like that. But for right now, it just reminds you that it's out. Here's the link. It sends out email reminders a week before and a day before the episode. And so anyway, it's it's pretty slick, and all of that's done in Podio. So and the other thing is, is we were we were using Monday.com before to track this stuff, but it was just my team that does that. that releases the podcast that was on there, because Monday.com, you have to pay per license. And we have like 20 hosts on uh, Top End Devs, and so I would have had to buy like 25 licenses, and I could not afford 25 licenses. So the other feature, and this was kind of the killer feature, besides uh, the level of automation you get out of Podio, which is owned by Citrix, by the way, was that you can add light users to a workspace for free under the under the license that I've purchased for myself. And so I'm just adding everybody in that way and it's, it's saved us a bunch of money that way. So I'm really digging that. But the other piece to this is that I have the same kind of automation set up for like reaching out to potential sponsors. I'm working on doing the same thing for the summits, right? Inviting people to the summits. So anyway, lots of terrific stuff there. So I'm going to pick those and then... Yeah, go check out Top End Devs, trying to get the rest of the pieces in place. But yeah, hopefully we'll have the list of summits up here within the next week or so. We're definitely doing the Rails one in August with DHH. So anyway, those are my picks. All right, well, I guess we're done. We'll wrap up here. And until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.